Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Hope Church. How are you guys doing? I don't know if you were like me and you walked out this morning and you wanted to put on, you know, some cool weather, or sorry, warm weather attire, and then you found out that it was back to being cold again. So if that's you, I feel for you. Um, I am so excited that you guys are here. My name is Carrie Burr, and I'm one of the teachers here at Hope. And I want to start us off with a quick question this morning. What is the most ridiculous one-size-fits-all outfit, clothing item, whatever, that you've ever seen? Um, I was watching a video this week that showed a girl who was size 2 and a girl who was size 14, and they were trying on all these one-size-fits-on outfits, and clearly they were not one-size-fits-all. I think maybe a scarf is as close as we get to having a a one-size-fits-all thing that really works for everyone. Um, which is why, as a general rule, we buy clothing that's in our size. We find things that are a custom fit for us. Um, this is especially true for, I was uh, watching The World According to Jeff Goldblum. I don't know if you've seen that show. Uh, I love Jeff Goldblum, so you may be hearing him a lot up here. But he, he had this episode where he talked about sneakers and how they make them and how athletes will have sneakers specifically designed to be custom made to their foot so that they can perform at their very best. Um, I also, as I was looking up more about different athletes, I found this girl named Alana Nichols who was paralyzed partially when she was 17 years old. But she competes in wheelchair basketball, she competes in paracanoe and alpine skiing, and you should look her up because the, the, um, the things that she does is absolutely amazing. Uh, but she has all this adaptive equipment that is uniquely suited, uniquely customized to meet her needs so she can continue to be the amazing athlete that she is. Um, and quick side note, speaking of athletes, congratulations to our girls basketball team for winning the Shoreline Conference this, this past weekend. That was, that's awesome. Um, so we know if you're an athlete, if you're, if you're someone who, who needs custom-made things, you, you get it, right? We, we, we need things that are going to meet us in the unique space that is our lives, um, you meet, meet our unique needs. And I'm really excited to go into this series, I Am, and talk a little more about what it means to really have a relationship with God, to know him. Because I think the crux of, of the Bible, as we read through it, is, is that it's about a God who desperately wants to know us. From Adam and Eve through to the end to Revelation, it's a God who gave up everything to be with us, to know us. And Psalm 139 reminds us that, that God truly knows us intimately. He knows the details of our lives. He saw us in our mother's womb. And we're reminded... In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, the Bible alludes to a time when we will know God even as we are fully known. And that is an incredible promise. But in the meantime, God still wants for us to know him. We don't have to wait until heaven because he reveals himself to us in a variety of ways. In fact, John 17, 3 says that this is eternal life, that they may know me. And John 10, 14 talks about how God is the good shepherd and we're his sheep and the sheep know him. We know our shepherd and we follow him. 
And we're going to be diving in a little more next week into Easter and, and who God is and how Jesus came on this earth to be, um, to be near us, to know us specifically. But today, I want to talk to us a little bit about um, what it means for us to encounter God, what it means for us to begin to, to know God. The Bible is full of a variety of names for God. Um, Yahweh, Redeemer, we sang about some of those, um, Healer, um, the Great I Am. And, and yet, I think often, as we approach God, maybe we have this idea that God is gonna be, he's gonna meet us in a one-size-fits-all way, kind of like the, the clothing we talked about. Um, and what happens is we can look around at other people in other situations who are dealing with different things and have different personalities, and we can see how God relates to them, and we can maybe assume that we're doing something wrong, that we're not meeting God, or that we're missing him somehow. And I, I have to say this, that we cannot treat an encounter with God as a one-size-fits-all event. Because God is able to uniquely meet us right where we are specifically. And I want to be careful to say this. Um, maybe, especially in our generation, you may have heard people say, okay, God can be to you what you want him to be, and he can be for me what I want him to be. I am not saying that God is a relative God. No, we can't, we can't change God. We can't make God who we want him to be because he is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. Um, we don't get to make him who we want him to be. And this is actually good news for us. In a couple weeks, we're gonna talk more about our identity in Christ. And if we are placing our hope and our identity in God, we, we better we better have a God who's not changing if that's who we're staking our life on. So God is not relative, but he is relational. And I do believe we experience him at different ways and different times and different seasons. Uh, you could think about it this way. I am a parent, so my kids call me mom. That's who I am, right? But at different times in my kids' lives, they need me to show up in different ways. Okay, I was told recently that they prefer that I'm happy mom, which is not always the case, especially right now with COVID. Um, but when my kids are excited, they need me as a supporter, a champion. And that's, that's what they meet me as. When my kids are, you know, if someone is, is not treating them fairly, they're going to they're gonna know me as advocate. I'm going to stand up for them. If my kids, um, sometimes I need to let them fight their own battle, and that's, that's important, but they need to still know me as present. And if my kids, not that they ever make mistakes, uh, but if they did, I, they would need to know me as challenger, right? To, to give them boundaries. They need to know me as these different things. And if you think about your own life, you can probably think, even just today or this week, of all the different roles that you've played, whether at work or with your family, you take on a different role to meet the unique need that is in front of you. And the same, I believe, is true of God. He's given different names, but each of these names, I believe, corresponds somehow to a piece of who we are and, and a piece of the season that we are in. So you may be wondering why I have my, uh, my glasses up here. Someone asked if I was going to be making mixed drinks. Not today. Um, I actually, I keep thinking of Miss Congeniality, you know, and she stands up there and she does her, like, she plays the, plays the glasses. Um, but, but these, these glasses represent you. They represent me. Because each of us 
has a different shape to our lives. And this shape to our lives is, is made up of, it could be the season that you're in, it could be the, the main emotions that you're feeling right now, it could be um, the challenges or needs that you face in your life. And so all of these glasses are different shapes, but I want you to see when I pour water in these glasses, this water represents God. And Jesus calls himself the living water. So I think this is a really cool description of him. But as I pour water into each of these glasses, the water doesn't change. It doesn't change in content. It's still H2O, right? It's, it's, the, um, it's, it's the, the same. The, the content does not change. But that the water is able to uniquely fill each glass because God is able to uniquely fill our lives and meet us in the needs that we have. And we don't have to have the exact same shape as someone else. And so I believe that a facet of God is a counterpart to every situation and season that we face. In other words, as we're in ongoing relationship with God, he's gonna reveal himself to us, a name to us that's gonna meet us specifically, I believe, where we're at. Um, if we think about it this way, in the Bible, who was the one that met God as healer? That was the one who was sick. And who was the one who met God as provider? Well, usually it's someone who is lacking something. And so we see that, you know, the, the one who is depressed may meet God as sustainer. Each time we face something new in our lives, a new situation or a new emotion, I believe there's a name of God that can speak into that. And so often, I think we want to, um, we don't want to have negative emotions or, or we don't want to have negative situations. And yet I think those can actually be, instead of obstacles, those can actually be clues for us. Clues for us to see the way that God might want to reveal himself to us in this season. So I want to talk today about someone in the Bible who represents this for me, who shows us a little bit about what it looks like when God reveals himself to us precisely in the midst of our season and our circumstance. Uh, so we're going to talk today about Hagar. And you may have heard Hagar before. We've talked about her in, as part of the story of Abraham. And Abraham was um, the one that God first kind of set apart and made a covenant with. And he told him, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so God called Abraham. But if you remember... Even though God promised Abraham children, um, it took a very, very long time for him to fulfill that promise. And so in the meantime, his, um, Abram and his wife Sarai, um, they decided to kind of take things into their own hands. And so Sarai, you may remember, decided to give her servant Hagar to Abraham to be, to be his wife and possibly to carry on a line, a family line through him. So we're going to start reading in Genesis 16, 1 through 13 here. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave, slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Exactly. 
the baby, the babies always know. The, oh, sorry, the, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So we find Hagar, the, the shape of her life is that she's, um, she's a, a slave. She doesn't have any say over her life right now, and she's being mistreated, and so she's fled. And this is where she encounters God. We're going to pick up in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to shore. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Verse 13, I love this. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. And I love this story for so many reasons. Um, first of all, I want to I point out, um, you may have noticed that when, when Hagar encounters God, it, she, it refers to God as the angel of the Lord. And I've been doing a little research on this um, and Bible scholars admit that there's some mystery in this phrase because sometimes it seems like the angel of the Lord is actually God himself speaking directly to Hagar. And sometimes the angel of the Lord seems like a divine messenger sent specifically by God. Um, so, so there's a little bit of, of mystery here in what exactly this phrase means. But minimally, we know that the angel of the Lord is closely connected with God's very presence. I also think it is fascinating that this is the first time in the Bible that we see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, show up. And why this is interesting to me, first of all, is that um, I think Hagar might have been one of the last people we would think of as someone that God would personally show up to. Maybe you have felt this way. I know I, I talked about this a little bit last week when we heard from the Bertolinis. Um, there have been times in my life when I just feel like I'm, I, I'm not... It, adequate. I, I do not have, um, I'm not fixed enough. I am not um, righteous enough to, to meet with God or to encounter God. Um, and yet Hagar gives me so much hope here. Uh, because if we look at the shape of Hagar's life, you'll see all the reasons why she probably wouldn't have been the person you'd think of to meet with God. First of all, she was a woman. And in, in this time, this is a very patriarchal society, um, women did not have the same standing or rights as men did. And I know for myself, if you're a woman and you read through the Bible, there may be times when you see passages and you think, what does God think of women? Does God, does God see women as equals? Does he love us the same? And Hagar is a powerful reminder to us that God sees women. He, nothing is keeping him from speaking to us personally whether we're a man or a woman. So I love that she's, she's a woman, but not only that, she was a slave. She was a servant, so she did not have rights. Um, her life was very much in other people's hands. 
she's a foreigner. Now, this is not a, a bad thing, but she, um, the, the promise, the covenant that God made was, was made with Abraham and his descendants. So you might think, well, what, why would God speak to this other person who's not, who's not part of Abram's family, who's outside of, of the Israelites? And this is another reminder that God, God always has a heart for, um, for the foreigner, for the, for the stranger, for the one who feels left out. Um, he does not exclude us from his presence or from his will. But Hagar, she's also alone. She's very alone. She doesn't have family nearby. She's pregnant, um, which is, you know, its own like crazy difficult season to be in. And she's being mistreated by the very woman who, who put her in the situation she's in to begin with. She doesn't have family nearby. She feels completely unseen. Have you ever felt unseen? What are some of the reasons? What are some of the, the, the things that make us feel unseen? I think a lot of times it's, um, it's those places in our lives where we feel like no one else could possibly understand what we're going through. Um, or maybe even that we're struggling with something that we feel like no one would understand it could be a medical issue that you carry day in and day out and you feel like no one understands what you're going through. Even, th- even something as simple as, a, as an allergy. Maybe you, know, you go to a brunch, you go to a buffet and there's never food that's, some, that's, that's something that you can eat and you feel like you're overlooked, you're unseen. Nobody, nobody gets it. Maybe you feel unseen and overwhelmed as a stay-at-home parent and you just feel like you, you do the same thing day in and day out and it's not, it's not appreciated, it's not seen. It could be that, um, I think unfortunately in the church we do this sometimes, we, um, when we, f- we treat people like a moral issue instead of a person and maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like, like your family or the church has ostracized you or, or um, doesn't see you as a person and you feel excluded, you feel unseen. I think the more we feel unseen, we have kind of two reactions, right? We may do what Hagar did. When we feel unseen, sometimes we, we hide away even further. We try to escape more from the world. And I think even right now with COVID and, and there's this strong sense of isolation and the less that we're with people, sometimes the more we feel like we don't know how to act with people and then we feel like we need to keep isolating more. And maybe when you feel unseen, you feel like hiding. You feel like, man, if I could just, if I were different, if I could just change myself then I'd be worthy to be seen. And then I could go out and I could, I could find people, but I'm not there yet. We maybe, maybe we tell ourselves that lie. Or maybe on the other hand, maybe we see people who are um, desperate for attention and we see on maybe social media or in our circles, the people that are, that are just kind of crying out, like, see me, look at me, notice my life. And we can have one of those two approaches. Um, but I truly believe that when we feel unseen, We do not need to fix ourselves in order for God to see us. We do not need to change who we are or where we are in order for God to see us and care about us. And I know this because several passages in the Bible remind us this. Romans 5, 8 is one of them. It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And again, it's this powerful reminder to me that he didn't wait for us to fix ourselves, to come. He didn't say, okay, meet me halfway. Nope, he said, I'm gonna come right now just as you are and I'm gonna die for you. 
I also love John 1.14, which says the word, Jesus, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. Um, he, he literally came to earth to take the shape of a human and walk this world with us because that's how far he would go to meet us right where we are. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? These are, these are powerful reminders to us that, um, that God is always, always pursuing us. He always wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with us. Um, and if you take nothing else away from this message, it, it is this, that God, God cares deeply about you and there is nothing in your life right now that is an obstacle for him to, to meet with you, to encounter you. And this story of Hagar reminds us of, of what it looks like when God shows up in someone's life. And so Hagar meets God. She feels unseen. And so she meets God as the God who sees. And again, you kind of see that counterpart to what she's feeling and her emotions. And that's how God shows up. So how does God meet her here? How does God show up as the God who sees? I think it's, first of all, interesting that God engages with her. And you'll see this um, in this story, and you'll see it with, with Jesus and other places with God. But God actually asks Hagar a question. He says, Hagar, where are you coming from, and where are you going? God knows where she came from. God knows where she's going. So why does he ask her this? And I think part of this is when God works in relationship with us, he wants us to participate with him. With him. He wants us to process with him. And I think he's inviting her into um, the dialogue with him. And I think he also doesn't want to, he wants us to have to think through our story as well. And that's partly what, I, what I'm asking you today. I'll be asking you even later to, to think about the shape of your own life. Where have you come from and where are you going? Because when, as God asks us these questions and, and we sit with those, those questions, then we can begin to participate with him in what he wants to do in our lives. And so Hagar answers honestly, well, I'm, I'm running away from my mistress. I'm running away from Sarai. Um, and I think that's, that's important too. The more honest we are with God, I think we can be afraid. We can feel like we need to hide things from, our, from God and kind of be like, well, I'm gonna show you this part of me. But God knows everything. And so being honest with God is part of how we continue that, that relationship with him. We wrestle with him. I think that is so important. But God not only engages with her, he gives her a reason to trust him. Okay, he, he gives her a revelation about her life that she did not previously know. She knew she was pregnant, um, but God gives her specific details about the, about the boy that she is carrying. And it reminds me a little bit actually of two things. It reminds me, Abraham gets a very similar message. She's, she's being told just like Abram did that her descendants too will be too numerous to count. And that's a powerful promise that she's getting. Um, and also, like I think of Mary, when Mary got the, the news that she was pregnant with Jesus, um, she gets this name and she, she gets a, a kind of, um, the, the angel tells a little bit of the story of her son's life. And through this, he builds, Jesus, or sorry, God builds trust and he builds trust for her to stand on and to believe in him. And in fact, later, later on in the story, uh, the angel of the Lord appears a second time to Hagar in Genesis 21, and he provides for her again. He provides water for her son at that time. Um, and so again, in each situation, he, he provides trust. He provides something that she needs in that moment. But you'll notice um, God does not provide 
all the answers to her problems. He does not remove all the problems from her life. And maybe you're like me and there's been times where I sort of felt like if I follow God, if I pray to him, if I ask him to show up, then when he shows up, all my problems are gonna be fixed and all my, all my like, difficulties are gonna be removed. But God doesn't give her an easy button. In fact, in fact, the angel of the Lord tells her to go back to where she came from, to go back and submit to Sarai. Um, and, and this is a very hard thing that he's asking her to do. And I think, I think when, when God speaks with us, he may, he may, he may tell us, I'm gonna, you're not gonna be able to leave this situation right now, but he's gonna give her a name that sustains her in the midst of that situation. And it's so beautiful to me that for Hagar, simply knowing that she is seen is enough for her. Simply knowing that she is seen gives her the strength and the ability to keep going. And so she does. She returns to Sarai because she trusts God. I love, I love that. I love that she has this need. She has this emptiness and this feeling of unseen and God meets her as the God who sees and I would challenge you, I know many of you are reading through the Bible right now, I would challenge you to pay attention to the people in the, in the stories that you're reading, the people in the Bible, and look at the shape of their life. Look at their needs and their situation. And then pay attention to the way that God reveals himself to them in the midst of that. Uh, just a couple quick examples. Elijah is someone that we see in, in the Old Testament, and he goes through this period of, of deep depression, and he wanders for 40 days and then God speaks to him in this, in this whisper. And I feel like we see this, this weary, this person who's weary and God encounters them as the sustainer. Or you look at Moses, the this, this story of the burning bush, which we talk about frequently, but um, it's, it's the story of, of God meeting a man who's listing all his inadequacies. Mo Moses is like, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, a good enough speaker, I can't, um, you know, I'm not eloquent. There, people aren't gonna listen to me. And basically he gives God a list of why he is not good enough. And the I am not meets the I am, the all-sufficient God. He meets God precisely in his inadequacy, in his need. And I wanna leave you guys with this. What is the shape of your life? I would challenge you to really, to really think through and dig deep and be honest with yourself about, about the, the needs that you're facing right now and the, and the strong emotions or just the, the emotions period that you're experiencing right now. Um, maybe it's the circumstances of life that you're facing. And I want you to, to, to pray through that and ask God to show you how the shape of your life right now might actually be an opportunity for him to show up in your life in a new way. And if I'm honest, I, you know, I, I thought to myself, if I'm gonna ask everyone to do this exercise, maybe I should do it too. So, uh, so I did, I, I sat and I, I wrote down all these things about my life and I prayed over it. And most of the things that I wrote down had to do with, with just being overwhelmed and out of control, right? Everything right now with COVID, with, with so much, with parenting, feels out of control. And I asked God, what do you want me to know you as in the midst of this? And I really feel like God gave me the answer that he wants me to know him as sovereign. And at first I was a little mad about that because I was like, sovereign, doesn't, it sounds kind of stiff. And I would like to know you maybe as comforter. Could I, could I know you as healer? Maybe peace would be nice. Um, but then God showed me, listen, all these things you feel out of control in, you're overwhelmed because you're trying to control things that are not yours to control. 
and you need to know me as sovereign because I'm the God who is in control. And that's what God spoke to me. And I don't know what he may want to speak to you, but I know that he wants to meet you specifically and uniquely right where you are. God, I pray that you would show up powerfully for each person here, for each person that is listening online. God, right where we are, that we would know you this week as the God who sees, as the God who meets us where we are. And I am praying that you would reveal yourself and a name for yourself to each person listening. Um, and that God, we would, we would continue to walk forward with you in relationship, even if we don't feel good enough, even if we don't feel adequate enough, God. Um, and I pray that you change our lives through that. Amen.